What's going on, NFL fans? Welcome to the NFL All 32 podcast presented by Football Game Plan. David Hasegan here, as always, with the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt, Alex Marinoni, Troy Anthony. Gentlemen, how are we feeling this morning? We're feeling good? I'm feeling good. Good weekend of football. Feel yeah, absolutely. People are feeling energized. People are a little angry. People are a little tense. People are being stupid. But what else is new? <laughs> We're, folks, on the podcast, again, we can uh, you can listen back to any of our podcasts, first of all, on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can listen back to see... What we got right, what we got wrong, where the takes, you know, you know, sometimes the takes are, you know, they can be off once in a while, right? But we're mostly perfect. For eh, the most part, we're perfect. For the most, for the most part, we're perfect. We predicted the Jets were going to lose. Hey. Hey, we got that <laughs> one right. We got that one right. Uh, again, folks, we got uh, a lot to talk about on the show. We've got our first coaching casualty of the season. We're going to have a little either or. We'll talk about some of the situations that maybe you're freaking out about, maybe you're not. And if you are, maybe you shouldn't be. And, of course, we'll talk about what's coming up in week number six. But let's start with the scores from this past week. And we start with Thursday. The Seahawks getting the win, 30-29. to Good game against the L.A. Rams. Seahawks are 9-1 on Thursday night games since 2010. But this was a nice little test for the Seahawks to see what they where they were in terms of the overall scheme of things. They look good against L.A. They look real good against L.A. More impressed with Russell Wilson. Everyone talks about the throw and, and you know the catch by uh, – uh, Tyler Lockett. I was about to call him. Oh. His, I was about to call him his dad, Kevin Lockett. You know, <laughs> I, that I remember seeing at Kansas State. Um, but great game overall. Just a fun watch back and forth. And shout out to Jared Goff for getting it together late to try to put them t- in a position yeah. to win the game. Rams defense still a little bit suspect. Panthers thirty four twenty seven over the Jags. Christian McCaffrey continues to carry this Panthers team. Another three touchdowns from scrimmage. Not only three touchdowns for scrimmage, but over 200 yards for scrimmage. Christian McCaffrey is definitely making the case for an MVP push. But this game was phenomenal. A great game to watch for an NFL fan. You had Gardner Minshew going off again, throwing for almost 400 yards, finished with 374 and two touchdowns. Leonard Fournette also rushed for 100 yards. DJ Chark had 164 yards. There was yards galore in this game. Panthers definitely showing up. There's a lot of offense across the league this week. We'll get into that as we go through this. Cardinals, their first win of the season, first win for Kyler Murray. They defeat the Bengals 26-23. A last-second field goal from 31 yards from Gonzalez wins it for the Cards. Good to get the first win for Kyler Murray. Gets him over the hump. Absolutely, and this is the exact team that you had to do it against, a team like Cincinnati who hasn't been able to do anything this year. Uh, Cincinnati looked bad again, but definitely kudos to that offense and uh, Kyler Murray as they uh, get win number one. Holy Deshaun Watson, Batman. The Texans 53-32 over the Falcons. One, this was video game numbers. We're used to seeing this in the NCAA from time to time, but not in the NFL. Deshaun Watson destroying the Falcon defense. Real concern in Hotlanta now. Yeah, you can push him up into the MVP conversation yeah. with his play and with the numbers that he's put up. And if Houston's defense can ever find a way to get on the same page as the offense and vice versa, if they can be on the same page, Houston can be unbeatable. They have to find a way to get on the same field sometimes. And the same thing with Atlanta. Nothing really going on on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, no true breeze, no problem. Teddy Bridgewater, 31-24, leads the Saints over the Buccaneers. Four passing touchdowns for Teddy. Nice win for New Orleans and no reason to panic. Yeah, Bridgewater is undefeated since Drew Brees has gone down. But what I really take <laughs> away from this game is that Maybe the Buccaneers are starting to get serious here. That hiring of Bruce Arians looks like it's very, really, really helped out Jameis Winston. He hasn't had the turnover issues that we know that he's had so far for his career. And this Bucks team looks a lot better this season than they have previous seasons. And to think, somebody thought Kirk Cousins was better than Teddy Bridgewater. Who would have thought that one? Uh, <laughs> Wait, time out. No, no, you make that joke, but 
how many of these same Saints beat reporters was calling for Taysom Hill last week, uh, and now they all love Teddy Bridgewater? Don't think Pepperidge Farm remembers. Don't think <laughs> I forgot about that. And I made sure to call them to task last week with that, you know, foolishness. They, oh, wow, look at Bridgewater. The Saints fans are chatting. Teddy, 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 like y'all were the same ones saying maybe they should go to Taysom Hill. Maybe they should, you know, see what he can do out there because he has the mobility. He's not Teddy's not throwing the ball downfield. They so fickle, man. I, it, Folks, you know, never let be- people forget the BS that they talked about. You know, I'm watching be- all the time. You know, it's gonna be a fun podcast when we have a Pepperidge Farm reference five minutes <laughs> in. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Anyway, <laughs> let's go talk about remembers. Uh, the Vikings learned how to play some offense. Minnesota defeats the Giants 28-10. The first hiccup on the Daniel Jones hype train, but ran into a very good defensive display, much better from Minnesota this week. It did, yeah. The Vikings defense did what they always do, and they played very well. And Daniel Jones had those two cupcake-type defensive uh, game, uh, showings before. He has a real defense and didn't look all too bad. But, no, it didn't look terrible. But definitely, definitely a much better defense and kept them in check. Uh, as for the Vikings, this is a game that they probably should have won by about 20 or 30 more points, and they just let a lot of opportunities go, settling for field goals and not yep. scoring when they uh, when they were moving the ball. This is the type of those are the type of situations where they did show out, went up 28 to 10, but something where you would have would more encouraging to see more points. I will say the Giants' defense, especially around the goal line, was much better this yeah. week. Uh, the defense has definitely gotten better, but Dalvin Cook, 218 yards from scrimmage, that's the most by a Viking since 2012. Raiders in London take care of the Bears 24-21. This is a back-and-forth tale of two halves, but the Raiders pull out the victory for uh, for John Gruden. Uh, nice win for him, 24-21. And shout-out to Josh Jacobs going over 120 yards in the game, being a big reason why they won. Yeah. The Bears came back, took a lead, and the Raiders showed some resolve, came back down the field, got the field goal, got the win, much uh, got the touchdown, I'm sorry, and definitely you know, looked like a complete team against Chicago, who many thought, myself included, that Chase Daniel would have a lot of success in his offense throwing the football, but didn't you know, materialize like we thought. Shout out to the Raiders for playing a great, complete game. And we mentioned a little bit, too, the new field in London that they're using, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. What did you think of the field? A little bit better than what it they've been It was field doing? turf, number one, which is right. great, and it still rained. But, you know, it was still kind of like that London fog, so to speak. And Typical England weather, exactly. yeah. Exactly. But better field conditions for way sure. Way better field conditions. So a good move there, moving to Tottenham uh, Hotspur Stadium. Eagles 31-6 over the Jets, 3-2 and two now for the Eagles. Jordan Howard is turning into quite the player. Four touchdowns over his last two games. Eagles might have found a new weapon. Yeah, definitely. The Eagles have, the past few weeks, definitely been trying to implement the run a little bit more, and it's helped their offense. This was a route from the beginning. Eagles just took this one in hand. Luke Falk couldn't get anything going for that Jets offense. Neither could Le'Veon Bell with 43 yards on 15 carries. Just a, a real brutal performance. It seemed like Le'Veon Bell was still the answer to every single one of their questions, though, and not exactly uh, what you want to be seeing there. Uh Pittsburgh, more problems at the quarterback position, and they lose another division game, lose 26-23 to the Ravens. Uh, Baltimore still not clicking defensively, but still get the win. Nice uh, three-point victory in the division. Yeah, this was the, uh, an old-school Ravens versus Steelers game just with, just with different names. That's all it was. And how many times have we seen Ben Roethlisberger go down in the past and you see the likes of Byron Leftwich, Landry Jones, and Charlie Batches have to play in these big games yeah. and keep them close to sometimes win? Um, with Mason Rudolph, he looked fine. Hodges came in and actually really impressed and kept this game close. Uh, Lamar Jackson struggled, but the Ravens were able to do enough and were clearly the more talented team to get over the hump. And that win was a overtime. huge hit on Mason Rudolph. Yes, it was. Matt, that, that looked scary at the time. He was out before he hit the ground, but uh, he had, was, I believe, allowed to leave the hospital uh, last night. But, yes, Devlin Hodges coming in. We'll talk a little bit more about him later on. 
Buffalo is 4-1. They defeat the Titans 14-7. 3-0 on the road to begin the season for the first time since 1993 for Buffalo. Now, is this only because they played the Titans, or did they earn this win? They earned it because you have to earn these these close wins. This wasn't a turnover field game where you had defensive touchdowns or a kickoff return here, a punt return there. This was a hard-fought win. And Buffalo, flat out, I think, has the best defense in the NFL. It used to be just the AFC East. I think they're the best defense in the NFL, honestly. It's going to be interesting to see how that progresses here. Breaking news, Tom Brady is good at football. Patriots defeat <laughs> the Redskins 33-7. to Brady passes Brett Favre for the third most passing yards in NFL history. doesn't matter who the names are. Belichick and Brady keep clicking. Yeah, the Brady, uh, the the Brady, the Patriots were kind of held in check. <laughs> you might as well call them the Bradys. <laughs> the at this Bradys, point. yeah. The Patriots kind of held in check early on in this game, but they eventually got it rolling and go on to route the Redskins. Uh, the Redskins ended up going with Gruden's boy McCoy at quarterback, and still nothing going for that offense. Nothing going at all. We'll talk about more about the Redskins situation coming up in just a couple minutes here. Uh, Broncos taking care of the Chargers, first win of the season for Denver. First win in the last nine games for them. What happened to the Chargers? They keep playing down to the competition again. That's exactly what they did. They this is what a, they do. It's, 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 the Phil, it's the Phil Rivers and the Chargers. That's what they do. And then um, after not a, a really explosive performance against the Dolphins last week, you'd think they'd come back ready for this game, and they just put up an absolute dud. Um, and credit the Broncos' defense, though, for playing well, holding them to like 30 total yards, rushing the ball with Melvin Gordon back in the mix. So it was a, definitely a, a much better day for the Broncos. Really entertaining game between the Packers and the Cowboys. The Packers' defense showing up in the first half in a big way, forcing a lot of mistakes. They get the win 34-24, but the Cowboys came back nicely in this ballgame. Yeah, it was ridiculous how bad they were down, what, 31-3, to and the Cowboys started to come back, and then Dak Prescott, has, as he did the entire game, just couldn't stop throwing the ball to the other team. <laughs> and once yeah. they got it together, they got enough points where they put themselves in position to make it a one-score game to go for the onside kick. Kicker missed, the extra, kicker missed the field goal. They were down by 10. Game was over after that. But you like how Green Bay's defense showed up this week. You like how they stuck to the running game. You like how Dallas fought through adversity and, and made this a ball game uh, going into the fourth quarter. But you can't turn the ball over that many times and expect to win. And a shocker at Arrowhead on Sunday night. The Colts knock off the Chiefs 19-13. to Who thought Kansas City could be held for less than 20 points? Never mind lose a game at home and it happens here big win coming in for the Colts though yeah big ups to that Colts defense I I really can't say this is a shocker because we've seen teams hold that Chiefs offense in check for quarters at a time quarters Frank Reich and his team did a great job getting this defense ready to hold the Chiefs like they did Jacoby Brissett did a great job managing that game and just keeping that Colts offense in line to score and they got it done through the uh, run game Marlon Mack 29 rushes he was really impressive he He was was. really really impressive this game His, his persistence at the line just shown through and it's the Colts defense though really banged up coming into this game had a lot of injury problems they just shut down Kansas City this is what happened so an, a shocking game there but now we got to get into the into the news and notes of the week folks obviously we got week six coming up but we've got a firing in Washington and for the first time in a couple years it hasn't come from the West Wing Jay Gruden fired <laughs> as the head coach of the Washington Redskins after five plus seasons uh, fired actually very very early on in the morning on a Monday morning was forced to come into the office at 5 a.m. for a meeting where he was let go 
Um, it's been a weird story with Jay Gruden in Washington. He came in, first year was 4-12, and then showed some progress, 9-7, and 8-7-1, 7 and 9 the last couple of years and then just off to a brutal start this season and it was time to make a switch. What went wrong for for Jay Gruden in Washington and actually maybe a shorter list what went right? Well, I, I would say this, what went first thing that went wrong was that he lied coming into the job saying he can, you know, get RG3 back on track and he promptly went ahead and and chose Kirk Cousins over him yeah. and threw RG3 under the bus. To me, you already off to a bad start when you choose Cousins over RG3, who was just trying to find some stability uh, in a situation where you, you're coming off an injury, you're just looking for someone to believe in you, get back to health, get back out there, you're a rookie of the year, you got the team to the playoffs, exciting player, and you go with Kirk Cousins, who, for whatever reason you chose to go with him, that gets you off to a bad start, and then subsequently Kirk Cousins does Kirk Cousins things to where you're swimming in that 7-9 <laughs> eight and eight situation for the four years he was there and and that subsequently gets you fired so you know I, I have no remorse for Gruden I think he was trying to get fired the last couple of weeks with the actions and the comments he was making <laughs> he first he threw uh he pulling in Antonio Brown yeah he was trying yeah he threw <laughs> Adrian Peterson under the bus you know with his comments there then he throws Haskins under the bus with his comments about Haskins and then with the video that came out, it's like, yo, he's really trying to get fired. Yeah, not only all that from the offensive side of the ball, but from the defensive side of the ball. That defense has had a lot of talent for a number of years, but they could never really seem to get it clicking. Yeah. I mean, whether it's his decision of defensive coordinator or the decisions that they make with starting personnel on defense, that defense has let up a lot of points over the years, and it's just inexcusable when you have all-stars, potential all-stars on that defense. It just seems like a total mismanagement of personnel, both in terms of the coaching staff around him and the players he had on the field. That's a, that's the biggest feel that we're getting from this. It, 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 he was clearly – he was never a player's coach to start with, but then – when you pull some sort of you know shady stuff like what Emery was mentioning there, you kind of have you know you lose the trust of the locker room right away, and that just kind of hurts your performance all the way down the line. Yeah, absolutely, especially and that's Emery's point on throwing Adrian Peterson under the bus just for no reason. You don't have to be a player's coach. Adrian Peterson, yeah, exactly. Like, know who you're talking to. Know who, <laughs> yeah. know who, know who this is. Like, and know the situation, how he's respected in this league. Like. It's just things like that where it just kind of, whether it went over his head or he was, like Henry was saying, he was trying to get fired and doing it on purpose, like and just unnecessarily creating headlines and unnecessarily uh, throwing out promises and throwing out these things and showing up on Sundays as the worst team every single time. And a lot of yeah. players were rubbed the wrong way. Oh, when a lot made of them. Those all the time. Yeah. yeah. All yeah, the time. And, and, and some players, you know, it obviously is a, a, a big roster. So each player has a different take about the it's coach. difficult i mean you have difficult. chris thompson crying talking about gruden and he has his relationship with him you have other guys that are coming out anonymously and saying that you know gruden's a good dude like cool dude but they felt did, like he, yeah. he got laxed and you know it was no real discipline out there and you combine that with what was going on with their defense and you kind of wonder you know where, where, where's the direction and when yeah. you don't have direction in the organization you're not going to win. The fact that the, the guys who are coming out as anonymous are the ones saying positive things about you, when it's the positives are anonymous, you're not in a good situation. But how you mentioned you talk about the organization. How much of this blame can we really put on Dan Snyder in, in terms of this? Because we mentioned it talking off camera that we've got – he's pretty much a fan as a general manager like that, or as an owner. And it doesn't – even in either of those positions, it doesn't help. 
well that's the thing like you could be a he's a fan which is great so he's he has passion and he's gonna right it, he's gonna, gonna spend money or he's gonna spend money to to try to make the team better but in that same breath when you're a fan you do fanatical things and you fly off the handle or you do things irrationally you don't think um and and that's what's happening i mean next to jerry jones snyder is probably the next owner who has his hands in the pot the most in regards to his team yeah. and throughout the years it just doesn't seem like it's working yeah i think with the terms of owners like i don't think they should you know they should be hands-on obviously with you know obviously they're providing the money but you know stadium improvements fan experience i think that's where their role lies and when you start to drift into what's going on on the field and then you butt heads with your general manager and then you butt heads with your head coach and then that just leads to problems that if you're not on the same page aren't necessary they're really not you know, they're avoidable absolutely and uh especially considering the fact that with all those things being said you had guys in your system too so when you're thinking as an owner you you're thinking that it's supposed to be merchandise and all these other things that you're supposed to be focusing on but you let you don't have the personnel to recognize that you had the sean mcveighs of the world in your system you had the <laughs> shanahan's of the world in your system and yeah. yet you look around and Jay Gruden's still your guy, and you know you just you don't recognize that where the greatness is coming from, and you you miss that from the fan because you're just you're seeing the headlines, you're seeing Jay Gruden, Jay Gruden, and you're not seeing yep. what's making this product actually work. I mean, look at the guys guys like McVay and stuff that made it work with Kirk Cousins at eight, and yeah. eight with a limited t- talent, you know, and you're seeing what they're doing now in other places. You said it before he made he made Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins look viable, exactly, Sean yep. McVay, and now he's doing it in Los Angeles, so it, it, it's a real. It's been a mess in Washington for several years, for you know, and for a long time for many different reasons, which we won't get into because it's you know political and that sort of thing. But the question now is, what's next for Washington? Because you mentioned it, they've gotten rid of all the assistants that probably could have been their next head coach and been their head coach for a decent amount of time. So the question is now, who's on this list? Where do they start looking? And and who who gets the first call? Well, there's a lot of names. Um, I think. And when you look at Washington, here's what you do have. You have a franchise quarterback in Dwayne Haskins, so that's not a question. But he's a backup, apparently. Well, I mean, right. <laughs> he's a backup, so, so maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But. So, so, but, you know, in all seriousness, you do have the franchise quarterback in place. You also have, I think, the, the pieces in place for a great defense. Yeah, they do. They you got really the do. boys up front uh, from Alabama, Allen and uh, also uh, Deron Payne. You got Tim Settle from Virginia Tech. Carrigan is Carrigan, even though he hasn't produced this year, but he's still a good player. But you already have his heir apparent in Montez Sweat. You will get Reuben Foster back healthy next year. You have some good young corners in, you know, Danny Johnson from Southern, Jimmy Moreland from James Madison. You have, uh, you know, a good piece up front along the offensive line, and, and uh, Rulie is a good center. Um Morgan Moses is an improving tackle, but you also have uh, Sheriff, another good lineman. You have good talent at receiver. Uh, McLaurin, Calvin Harmon is a rookie. You have, uh, you know, um, uh, Richardson, the deep threat. And you're getting Bryce Love back next year to go along with whatever you get out of guys. I know you can't depend on guys, but you do get – Love back, yeah. and he's coming off injury, so maybe there's a question at running back. But you have a lot of young pieces to work with, young, talented pieces to work with, and you will probably have a top 10 pick. So you have a ton of, you know, things to, to go on. So whoever's going to get that job is going to be in a good situation to succeed. But there's some, uh, and there's some names that I'll toss out as 
potential head coaching candidates. Yeah, there's no doubt that whoever gets this job is getting set up in a great position, probably a better position than we've seen coaches step into in recent years. Mm -hmm. But the question is, who is Schneider going to lean to? Is he going to lean to somebody who he can easily coerce into doing what he wants, or is he going to make the right decision and hire a smart football NFL head coach? Well, here's the other thing, too, that he has going for him. Uh, they have good scouting in place. We know the you know, person in charge of scouting now is Doug Williams. And the reason why this is a talented football team on paper is because Doug Williams has done a great job in acquiring the talent to put out on the roster. If you're thinking about trying to make a splash as far as – we know Snyder will probably want to make a splash, right? Mm -hmm. He's done that before with – He chases headlines. Yeah, seems, right? yeah. Schottenheimer. Spurrier. Spurrier. Right. You know, he's done this before. Joe so Gibbs. <laughs> bringing okay. Gibbs back, right. Um, <laughs> but I look at it like this. You look at a couple of names I wrote down. Byron Leftwich would be a unique one. Uh, doing a great job with Jameis Winston. He's a D.C. guy. So you could play that local, you know, he, he started in high school in, in D.C. I want to say Dunbar High School. Eric Bieniemy, you see what he's done, you know, really? in Kansas City. That's going to be the guy I threw out there. Eric yeah. Bieniemy, um, quietly they have one already on, the, on staff if they uh, keep him there. And that's Kevin O'Connell, who's been working hand-in-hand -hand with Dwayne Haskins, you know, this entire, you know, uh, time. He's a, he came from New England. We know that's going to play well. That could get you headlines. Oh, we got this New England head coach, you know, Tom Brady, you know, that works for everybody, right? That's the new Sean right, McVay. Right. And, um, I work with Tom Brady. And a wild card, Ryan Day. Why not, right? My, my wild card, I was thinking about this last night, actually, pending Gruden's fire, not even know. <laughs> and this is truly a wild card. Why not bring in an Urban Meyer? Well, that's why I went with Ryan Day. That's interesting. But I understand because a lot of people yeah. want to know what Urban Meyer would look like as a pro coach, considering what he did at Florida and turned Ohio State into Florida, you know, with all the speed and the you know different. Yeah. But we didn't really see Haskins thrive until Urban left and Ryan Day took over because Haskins was – Urban still likes to run his quarterbacks. Yeah. Haskins wasn't doing that. And then they took over and Haskins takes off. So, But Urban is a, is a name that a lot of people are very interested in in the NFL because of what he did at two spots. You know what I'm saying? He, he's, we know that he's an offensive genius. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The question is, when he get, if he gets to the pro level, what can he do with these pro players? Because right. we, we've seen all his success in college. But we've also seen this before. Nick Saban yeah. comes to mind. Spurrier comes to mind. They come in for two years, and then it doesn't work, and they have to go back. Well, Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly. Well, it worked. I think Chip Kelly had the most success out of, out of all of them. He did for right. – Three years, Three years, and then it caught right, up yeah. to him. Because here's the thing. as Coming from the college game, where you are the GM, because you're going out actively right. scouting, recruiting, developing, and then essentially drafting the players to your team by offering them scholarships, would a coach that is used to having all of that you know, power, will they be willing to trust the front office in delegating some of that responsibility that those guys can be – on the same page and you know because if you're a head coach and you want control of personnel which is understandable because in college you do it all the time how are you willing to, to let that power go in order just to coach football on on the field i think that's partially what led to chip kelly's demise because he wanted the personnel control he got it they ended up trading <laughs> all <laughs> <Everyone>. the players <laughs> and then the eagles were kaput at, at the end of his career at the so end of his tenure point. 
Yeah, the problem with Chip Kelly is that he just traded everybody away that the fans liked too, and then you had all the people, you know. You know, I don't need Deshaun Jackson. You need Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> you know, like, well, here's, but, here's, here's the other thing, too. You talk about, you know, Dan Snyder wanted to make a, a splash. His judgment in terms of hiring head coaches has not been good. The fact that Jay Gruden is the one that's got the – has been given the most amount of room over his tenure is not good. I'm going to go through the other five coaches. You had Joe Gibbs, who he brought back, who arguably did a good job. Marty Schottenheimer, who was only there for a season. Jim Zorn – and then Mike Shanahan and Steve Spurrier. So, but here's the thing. The big-name coaches he's brought in, he's given them a short leash, and then he cuts them. And then he brings in no-name people, like Jay Gruden, who has no experience at all, gives them a wide range, and he fails. Like, the judgment has not been good for Dan Snyder. So the question is, is this the one time he's going to get outside advice and say, who should our next head coach be instead of, I'm going to make the choice myself? Yeah, the, the right choice for, for Dan Snyder needs to be the guy who says, who comes in and says, I can get the most out of Haskins, and they're probably going to have a top five pick by the end of this year. Right. Could be the top pick in a quarterback class that's supposed to be loaded. This is the time where you could you need a GM that says I can trade down and I can get you pieces right now to, say, to add yeah. what we have, and I can get you Trent Williams back on the field. Yeah, I was about to say you need like you need to like it can't be like both of those things. You can't say I can have Haskins back on the field for you and take a top five pick with a quarterback. Like you can't right. have both. You need to, I, see, you, I see what you're saying there. Yeah, you need, to, you need to see. Uh, or you need to have a guy who, if if you don't believe in Haskins, you can get the most out of Haskins as far as a trade value or something, and you're going to take one of these guys. But I don't think that's the answer. You have to no. see that Haskins is the guy. And that's what Snyder needs to hear, that he's going to have a head coach come in and say, I can make it work and I can win with Haskins. Just let's trade down this pick. Let's let's fleece a team right now and go and go uh, rebuild with what the pieces that we are missing. Well, let's, let's look at it like this. If you are going to fleece a team um, – if you have the number one pick, you're Washington. Who has multiple first round picks? Right. Miami. Yeah. So you can get two of those picks from Miami. Well, one because you'll swap. Yeah. You'll swap pick and pick up an extra. Right. Um, or you can find yourself, you know, moving down, a, a, you know, a little bit, picking up somebody's multiple second round picks, like we saw the Colts do with the Jets. Yeah. Um, and fleet somebody that way. But you're right. They they have the the capital to you know be so attractive to a coach but he if you know Snyder trusted a guy is going to come in and say yeah I can do this with Haskins he I mean he essentially hired that with Gruden when he came and said hey I could do this with RG3 so you don't know sure you know I think it would be wise for Snyder to, to back out the situation and trust his personnel department to bring in a coach I know a lot of people are, are pointing the finger at um Bruce Allen, that should be the next to go, uh, saying that he has done a terrible job as well. So if that's the case, now you also have to find a GM, and that GM will then bring in a guy he trusts as a head coach. I, I think it's funny. I you know I've been just you know keeping an eye on you know any other stories out of Washington. When you Google the Red, Washington Redskins, you know how there's like questions at the bottom. People also ask. The third one is the is the Redskins game canceled? It's the third question. I think I think we get to cross out game and call it season at the moment because uh, it's not good right now. Snow day in Washington. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll see what happens next. Uh, we'll see if things maybe turn around because you never know. Sometimes an interim coach can be your next guy. So we'll see what happens. I mean, in he got the best option at quarterback sitting on the doggone bench, along with his number one option in college and guys that he has played with in the preseason. Also not getting reps. So 
Yes, we could see an offensive see boom. Yeah, we could see a completely <laughs> different Redskins next week. Exactly. So, so maybe the interim is the answer. We'll keep an eye well, on that. I mean, Bill Callahan right now is the interim, and he already come out and say, well, we didn't run the ball enough. So you already know what that means. Like Adrian Peterson is like, yep, they're going to the Jets back, offense. Uh, back in the back in the game. They're going to the Jets offense. Where's it? Where, where's Where's Bell? Let's give it to Bell. Oh wait, there's Bell, and then there's also Bell. And yeah. The other option is is Bell. Uh, right. Again, folks, this is the uh, Week Six preview on the NFL All Thirty Two podcast. Don't forget to subscribe while you're listening to us here on SoundCloud or iTunes. David Hassig and Alex Marinoni, Troy Anthony, and the Czar of the Playbook, Emery Hunt, with you. It's time to play a little either or, fellas. And we're gonna, you know, obviously people are now trying to starting to panic. The panic button is being slammed in several different places over the league. Um, but maybe it's time to, you know, take a step back and think. Well, we're at least we're not as bad as that guy. Uh, so let's start with a little either or. I'm going to start with. Uh, two teams that are certainly panicking it for for different reasons. Would you rather have the Baltimore's Baltimore defense situation or the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback situation at this moment after Week Five? I would probably take the Baltimore Ravens defensive situation because I feel like defense can be fixed with you know the right amount of pressure. True, I, I think pressure solves everything. Right now, the Ravens are not being able to get pressure. They're not covering anybody. They actually look slow and thick on the back end. Yeah. It, it looks bad. It's like, man, they can't keep up with anybody. You know, Pittsburgh's quarterback situation, to me. It's not bad. It's not bad. And you may get a little something different from Hodges, who, to me, I just put up an article on The Athletic talking about, you know, what he brings to this offense. You know, we know that he's not afraid to throw the football, period. You know, right. whether it's you know to the other team, to his team, <laughs> the ball will get thrown. It will be get thrown yeah. deep. It will get thrown immediate. He is not afraid to throw the football. And we saw we kind of saw uh, Mason Rudolph have an issue with holding on to the ball and, and making sure guys wide open, kind of hesitant to make the mistake. Hodges is not that guy. Hodges yeah. had games in college where he threw five touchdowns and three picks. It did not matter. He but, was throwing the ball. But you'd still rather have the Baltimore defense situation. Because I know you're going to get Jimmy Smith back at corner, True. which helps. And you can you still have you still have the mentality, the, the mystique of Baltimore's defense, even though the last couple of weeks everybody's been gaining massive amounts of yards on his defense. I feel like they, they are more apt to turn around right away as opposed to Pittsburgh's quarterback going completely bananas in the, in the you yeah. know, recent weeks. For, for those who don't know who Devlin Hodges is, and if you had listened to the FCS Opening Drive <laughs> podcast with me and Emery, you know exactly who he is. You're talking about the all-time leader in college football history in passing yardage. He, pa- he broke the record held by Steve McNair. So he's a decent quarterback. He's pretty darn good out of Samford. Pittsburgh has that mojo, but... What about the other two guys? What do you think? What do you think about this one? I mean, I'm I I got to 100% agree with Emery here because I got to go with the defense. Defenses in this league have shown that they can start out terribly and in a moment's notice click. And with that Baltimore offense putting up all the yards that they put up, yes, the defense is going to be on the field a lot. The Baltimore offense scores. Defense is going to be on the field more, but they can click at in- instantly. They have all-stars over there. Like he said, Jimmy Smith is coming back. They still have Earl Thomas at safety. He's been He's gotten lit up a little bit so far this year, but it's Earl Thomas. I trust that he's going to click in a moment's notice, but I never want to go with a third-string quarterback. Yes, Hodges did play well when he came into the game, has potential, can do better, a little bit better for the Steelers going forward, but I'm not relying on it. I don't want to take a third-string quarterback. That quarterback situation right now is up in the air. Um, 
Rudolph is out with the concussion. We saw how serious it was. He got hmm. he got knocked out. He was he was knocked out cold midair when he was falling. Yeah. So who knows when he's gonna be ready to go? If he's ready to go at all for the rest of the season. But yeah, I'm not I'm not going with a third string quarterback. Yeah, I agree with this too. Uh, quarterback position is the most important position, obviously. So when you're unstable there, it's just you just don't want to be in that situation. And the Ravens have that mystique, like Emery was saying, of the Baltimore defense. So. You could between that and still having John Harbaugh there as your coach, you could always coach them up, and you could always do things to mask some of your deficiencies. And uh, and it's going to take some more time because they don't have all the household names that they used to have. Earl Thomas is a nice addition, and when Jimmy Smith comes, that'll be a a great addition. But they they still have John Harbaugh and his his staff that can figure out what to do with these guys and at least mask some of those things. Yeah, you can win with bad defenses in this league if your offense is really good. We've seen it. The 2011 Super Bowl with Patriots and Giants, it was the two worst defenses in that game for the season. But having subpar quarterback play or decent quarterback play isn't going to get you anywhere. Let's move on to speaking of quarterback play. Let's do our next one here. Would you rather have on your team right now Teddy Bridgewater or Kirk Cousins? I'm saying Bridgewater because I'm a Jets fan. I'll take either one of them. I have to. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go with Bridgewater. Cousins' play isn't anything special so far this season at all. Bridgewater has come in and has the Saints undefeated since he's been playing. Granted, the Saints are a very good football team, but guess right. what? So are the Minnesota Vikings. And Cousins, he lit up a Giants defense this past week, who is abysmal. He beat them 28 to 10. 28 to 10. He he should have lit them up. Lit them up. But the Giants defense has improved the last couple weeks. They you can't have. say that they haven't. They have, but that secondary is still suspect. Very suspect. But Teddy Bridgewater, on the other hand, since he's come in, thrown for multiple, multiple touchdown games, and just has this offense clicking still. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because they both have the same number of wins and the same number of Pro Bowls in their career, actually. One each, but... Yeah, but also Bridgewater has had a couple less years, too, with the injury. Right. And... Uh, and it's just speaking as a Jets fan, Jets could have had one. They put up more money, and yeah. they did have one, and let him go. Um, but brutal, beautiful management there by the New York. Jets. No, you said it right. Brutal, brutal, <laughs> brutal. But I'm definitely, I'm definitely taking Teddy Bridgewater. He's just the better all-around quarterback. The, I maybe, maybe arm strength at this point goes to Kirk Cousins. Maybe, but what does that mean to, to as far as the quarterback play? Yeah. In the end, uh, we've seen a team with. The same team, Teddy Bridgewater on the Vikings, with a less talented roster, do more than with Kirk Cousins with a loaded roster. I will that's pretty s- much yeah. my only – that's how I bar- measure that bar. I, I will say this. Kirk Cousins, uh, as much crap as people give him, he still has had 25 passing touchdowns each of the last four seasons or more. That's empty calories. That's like eating ice. I'm just saying <laughs> like it, it. It, the stats are there, and that's what he has, sure. including a, pa- a completion percentage of 70% last season. Dump offs are, are amazing. You can, you know. <laughs> Tom Brady's like, made a career out of that. But he so we can go from there. He, he probably has a higher completion percentage than Tom Brady because Brady at least throws deep down the field. My quarterback breakdown would be simple, like, like my scouting report for quarterback: scary, not scary. And Cousins falls in the scary department, so he wouldn't be on my team. So obviously Bridgewater. <laughs> what if I told you if you're, and I try to tell the Saints fans and beat writers this, uh, <laughs> try that, to try to, but you know they don't. It's Twitter. They're essentially fans covering the team. A lot of a lot of beat writers I found out are just fans covering their favorite team. That's why their writing reflects that. The backup to your future Hall of Fame quarterback is a rookie of the year, Pro Bowl, playoff starting QB. 
and you want a guy that's a gadget guy starting in front of this guy that you know only lost a position because of a gruesome knee injury at practice where he dropped back the pass and snapped his knee. Had the Minnesota Vikings just allowed this dude to continue to get healthy and nurse him back to health, sign Keenum for that one additional year, pay Bridgewater less than you could have paid. You could have paid both Keenum and Bridgewater for what you gave Kirk Cousins fully guaranteed. They panicked and now they're seeing the results. Um, so if if it's it's simple, it's Teddy Bridgewater should be the starting quarterback for Minnesota right now. Had they taken the right approach and trusted that they had a franchise quarterback, don't panic. Let him get back healthy. It was a knee. It wasn't a shoulder. It wasn't, you know, a hand or a wrist. And he wasn't a mobile quarterback anyway. So it's not like, well, we he's going to lose an element of his game. And we see now he still has the ability to move within the pocket, pick up a yard or, or two if, if, if need be. He's been exactly what the Saints needed. And he, he would have been exactly what the Vikings needed last year and this year. So, yes, Cousins to me was, you know, empty calories, a fantasy football star for people that play fantasy football because of those stats that Dave just so eloquently put out, you know. But as far as, like, winning games, he's, what, 5-38 and 38 against teams with winning records or something like that? It's ridiculous how terrible he is when it counts. But when it doesn't count, he is, like, you know, fantasy QB1. Well, that, le- that answers the question finally, folks. Do you like that? No, absolutely not. No, around the entire table. Let's go to two more here before we get into the Week 6 preview. Which team would you rather have right now, the Colts or the Bears? Alex? Oof, that's tough. Both good. Good, de- good Both defense good. on Chicago. Better defense, arguably, on Chicago, but offensive headaches. Yeah, yeah. Overall team, I mean, it's hard not to say the Indianapolis Colts with what they've been able to do offensively. So. According to Pat McAfee, they are now going to win the Super Bowl after being the Chiefs last week. That That, that is what he said this He's, that's Pat what he said McAfee, on Get Up. Man, like. <laughs> hey, you got a Super Bowl. You're either picking a Super Bowl contender or the Chicago Bears. I, I get that's why he. I get why Pat McAfee has the appeal, but I'll, I'll leave that beat. Anyway, who would you take, Alex? <laughs> Overall team, I'm definitely. I, I would still take the Colts because I don't trust the quarterback situation in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, I mean that defense is so so good. So all you need is a guy like Chase Daniel to just. And Chase Daniel showed it. He came back and won that game. And it's tough to really judge the Bears' defense when you got to go all the way to London. That's such a different True. element to things. I, and I understand good defense. It doesn't matter where you play. And both teams had to go to London. It's not like there's a London home team. But it still throws things. It's not something that is going to be impactful later on in the season. Yeah. So as far as – so, and that's a big reason why the offense could have gone into a slow uh, – slow, um, started the game slow. But overall, I think uh, as a, a team, uh, it's hard not to like the Colts. Emery, Colts or Bears? You know, this is an interesting question because the Bears' defense is phenomenal. They got great pieces offensively in the skill positions. Yep. Um, you give the side to the quarterback, in my opinion, to Indianapolis. Running backs, to me, it could be a push. You know, oh, I, I like Tariq Cohen. Uh, Montgomery, I think, is a good compliment. I don't think he's a starter. I think, you know, Mack and Hines are explosive backs that do different things well. Um, tight end position goes to, I think, goes to Indy. Um, quarterback position goes to Indy. Offensive line goes to Indy. Um, I, so I'm going to have to side with Indy. I, even though I like the pieces of Chicago, yeah. I don't like the quarterback room. But defense, yeah, defensively, the Colts the showed coaching. up last week, though. 
The, yeah. yeah, the Colts' defense is good, and they're young, they're active, they're good. The only thing that worries me about Indianapolis is all of the, the nagging injuries. You haven't really seen Paris Campbell fully get out there and ball out. T.Y. Hilton, even though he doesn't miss games, he's always injured some at some point <laughs> during the game. Yeah. So, like, he's always laying there, and then he ends up missing a series, too, that he's back out there. And it's like, I don't know how to trust him. But I do like the team makeup of Indianapolis right now more so than, than Chicago. Yeah, it's a clean sweep. If we're going team, I have to go with Indy because their their defense is young and good, and they're only going to get better. Their offense has tons of weapons across the board. You had Ebron, who led the league in touchdowns last year, and he's arguably behind Jack Doyle on the tight end depth chart. Doyle seemingly sees more targets. Their, their running backs, Mack has been running crazy this year, and they have T.Y. Hilton. Quarter, they definitely win quarterback, even though Trish, Mitch Trubisky was a top-five pick he hasn't really looked like a top five pick. And Jacoby Brissett's out here slinging multiple touchdown games this week, uh, this year. Multiple, multiple touchdown games. Defensively, I would have to go Bears. That defense can single handedly win you a game at any given moment. But the NFL is a team sport. Football is a team sport. And a more complete team is the Indianapolis Colts. Let's go to our last one here before we talk about week six. And would you take either Josh Rosen? or any of the 2020 quarterback prospects in the NFL draft, which just seems harsh when we wrote this. But maybe there's a reason for that, Emery. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Rosen was a top-ten pick in Arizona. Gets traded after one year to Miami. You thought at the draft, okay, they got a guy that they could work with for the future. That's going to be their franchise, and they're going to build around him. And we, we saw all throughout training camp that the coach down there, Brian Flores, kept talking about, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick being a guy. And so, and you see Rosen get out there and play, and you, you're like, all right, yeah. Rosen still kind of looks like the Arizona quarterback that just doesn't, you know, overwhelm you, just looks, doesn't look like a starting franchise quarterback. Doesn't look like, you know, he looks like the bad to average version of Jared Goff and not the potentially good version of Jared Goff. So mm. I'm going to go with the 2020 quarterbacks um, and hopefully do enough by Rosen this season to make him a valuable trade asset as well. Uh, so I'm looking at the 2020 class and, you know, a guy that I like a lot uh, in Jalen Hurts, that's somebody I would want um, because, one, he's not scared. He's battle-tested and has proven to get better over time. So I would go with the field. Whoever you rank as your top quarterback in 2020, I would probably take that over Josh Rosen. Well, here, well I'll give you – I just looked up the – latest mock draft from CBS Sports and I want to get you there's four quarterbacks timeout CBS Sports also <laughs> had uh, I'm just saying I'm going to a in 2018 sport. in the year of Lamar Jackson I, I, Josh I know. Rosen this is, this is why I want a hot take you know, from you do you know who was the number one quarterback according this, to CBS Sports this is why I want to get a hot take from you because Mason I, Rudolph because I think you will lose your mind over this list go ahead their top quarterback, by the way, going number one overall, Justin Herbert from Oregon, followed by Tua, followed by Jacob Eason, followed by Eason, followed by Love from Utah State. Have we ever seen Eason and Herbert in the same spot <laughs> together? But here's the thing. That's it. No hurts in the first round. Of course not. According to CBS. Yeah, I, yeah I mean, but that's why when you have a take out there, you sit back and wait, let it play out. And That's all. That's all. Hey, I just, I'm just yeah, throwing it out and, there. And, you know, um, <laughs> my thing is, 
if you believe in Herbert, if you believe in Eason and Jordan Love and Joe Burrow, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, Jalen Hurts, whoever you believe is the guy, I would probably take them over Rosen. You know, because of the potential. There because is a right deep now, class. Yeah, there, there's a lot of quarterbacks, and there's going to be more that we are not probably talking about. I would, I would still take them over Rosen. Yeah, I mean, Ro- the Dolphins definitely lost out on the trade with Rosen. But obviously, you see why they did it, hoping that he wasn't the quarterback that they saw in Arizona. We knew that Arizona had the depleted line, but he looks all the same right now. And you just have to take the field of the 2020 quarterbacks. And in regards to mock drafts, we see it time and time again. The mock drafts are fairly ever correct. We all killed the Giants for it's taking – It's also way too early. Yeah, yeah, way too early. We yeah, all killed the Giants for taking Daniel Jones six overall. Now it's looking like the right pick for the long run right um but rosen his play you you just have to take the field because you just have to hope that one of these guys who are going to be if not ranked high you get the meetings with them and you find out who they are more as a player yeah you just have to have faith that they're going to be better than rosen yeah the problem i have with josh rosen and i know we all talk about his arizona with a really bad team really bad line goes to miami the problem was is that he couldn't do enough to beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick for the job. And so it doesn't matter what he does on field because the team has been an utter disaster on the yes, field. But, but when you're looking, when you're in camp and you're watching the two quarterbacks play, that was the thing I followed a lot with Sam Darnold and Josh McCown's situation. It's a similar sh- situation in the rookie year where Sam had a lot of learning and growing to do, but he was clearly the better quarterback and the better option than Josh McCown for this team at this time. When you can't, when you can't say that with Ryan Fitzpatrick in that situation with the Dolphins, that just means you're not doing it enough in practices when the cameras are off. What are you supposed to do when the cameras are on? It's certainly going to be interesting. And definitely this 2020 draft is going to be interesting. A very deep quarterback class. And a lot of these deepest. quarterbacks, we don't even know if they're going to declare. I would, yeah. I would be interested to see how many juniors are on that list. We see this a lot with so my last draft. year with Herbert. Yeah, Herbert went back to school. I, and, and, I, and they still think he's going to be number one. I don't see that at all. And, and, and at all. To deviate a little bit, to, to dive into that topic, when you watch certain guys play, you want to be wild. Like if you yeah. you knew on, Saquon was going to be good right, in college, you, right? You watch him and you're like, okay, that's that's a first round pick. But when you watch Herbert or Easton, I was able to catch get back home in enough time to watch actually the Stanford Washington game. I'm just like, I just don't see. I got Paxton Lynch vibes with Easton. Yeah, and I was like, I just don't see it with him. Then when I watch Herbert against, we talk about Kirk Cousins. When I watch Herbert against great teams or good teams. Doesn't show up. Had trouble with Cal this past week. Because of good defense. 17-7. You watch him against Eastern Washington, they win 77-7, and everybody's going to use those clips from those games and say, look at Herbert, this is what he can do. But you put him against Stanford, you put him against Cal, these good – Arizona State, he's going to struggle. And I need somebody to show up and be like, wow, that's a – even Jordan Love, who I liked as a player, but I still – to me, he still reminds me of Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah. Like there's – you know, highs and there's super lows. So you got the highest of highs and lowest of lows. There's no in between. And yeah. and we saw that last week against LSU. You know, some beautiful throws. And, and, yeah. and then throw three interceptions. So it's like, yeah. you know, I want to be wowed by a guy. Yeah. You know, and, and when you just, just from the eye test and watching those guys play, Herbert, Eason, Fromm just doesn't do it for me. I mean, they just kind of like, okay, yeah. you know. It, they're decent, but still way, f- still very, very far out for the 2020 draft, and the stocks are going to go up. The one dude nobody's talking about is Jamie Newman from from Wake Forest. 
who's yeah. been balling quietly. But he's a junior, and I wouldn't even put him in the conversation because he's a junior. So right. So well, let's, well, obviously the draft talk will come down the pipe later on this season as we get into 2020, the early part of 2020. But let's get into uh, quickly into week number six, and we're going to start with Thursday night's game in Foxborough. The Patriots taking on the Giants. Obviously, there was some uh, struggles for Daniel Jones against his first good defense. Now he takes on New England on the road. Really tough environment for the rookie. Tough environment for him. Greater test for the defense. We saw, you know, the Vikings take advantage of the miscommunications going up to second level. We know New England will do the same. This the Patriots team is ridiculous. That defense is ridiculous. Season, it's it's going to be tough for Daniel Jones. It's going to be another test for the Giants. We've seen them allow a lot of pressure each game, game in and game out. Will they be able to stop the Patriots D line? Yeah, I want to see the game plan that Shermer comes up against this Patriots D on the short week uh, against this for the against this Patriots D. Yes, uh, for the short week. Um, it, what Belichick's record against quarterbacks under the age of twenty five is ridiculous. So he definitely always has a he's a one or two steps ahead everybody three or four ahead of rookie quarterbacks so it'd be uh, interesting to see what Shermer can do to help his quarterback second game of the year from London and the Tottenham Stadium a morning game 9 30 a.m eastern time Tampa Bay taking on Carolina two teams that are much better than what people thought they would be at the beginning of the season Panthers are being obviously led by Christian McCaffrey but the Buccaneers have not looked bad in any game so far this season America's quarterback Jameis Winston has been <laughs> outstanding <laughs> you know in this in this oh, game no. still a big Jameis Winston fan and excited to see him uh, go toe-to-toe with this Panthers defense and quietly it's been McCaffrey and not Kyle Allen the last two weeks yeah we know how these London games get weird and I look for McCaffrey to McCaffrey to stay on the roll and the Buccaneers' defense to try to slow him down. We know these games can be weird. Can this be the week where McCaffrey takes a step back? Yeah, I think that's the biggest question is can this Bucks team slow down Christian McCaffrey? You don't have to stop him completely, but just slow him down and you have a chance. Um, but I love what Bruce Arians and, uh, and company have been able to do with Jameis Winston and make him look like one of the top quarterbacks in this league, both from a fantasy standpoint and from a just overall quarterback standpoint. Next up, the Ravens taking on the Bengals. Ravens with a win here could take firm control of their destiny in terms of the division. Bengals looking for any kind of positives. Otherwise, they're looking maybe at a number one pick. Shout out to the Bengals for what they did last week in trying to close out that game against Arizona. They did better. They certainly did better. Tyler Boyd was awesome on that last drive. And when you look at the Bengals' offense against what we've already talked about with this Ravens defense, should be an exciting close game. Yeah, I said earlier, defenses can click at any moment. I look for this game to be a get-right game for that Baltimore defense because this Bengals team really isn't anything special. They're 0-5 for the year. Their defense should have a day. This is a big game, too, for Lamar Jackson from a standpoint of he's struggled the last couple weeks turning the ball over. This is a big game where you need to show that you are a powerhouse offense and you can go into this game, not turn the ball over, protect the ball, and help out that defense to keep yourself on the field. Huge game for Cleveland, a really tough test at home, taking on the Seattle Seahawks. What are we looking for in this ballgame? Is there a certain position you're looking at? Well, I want to see how the Seahawks stop the run. Quietly, they've not been good versus the run. But it also feels like defensively, when you watch them play, they have 17 guys out there on defense. Like, you break the first wave, and there's five other guys coming at you. You break that, then there's five other guys coming at you. It's like, man, they are all over the field. So, I think this will be a back-and-forth affair because – the Browns defense has been good. Seahawks quietly has shown, have shown that you can move the ball on them. 
Russell Wilson, the Seahawks team runs through Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson is quietly entering the MVP race. He leads the league in quarterback rating. He has 12 touchdowns, no interceptions. I look for him to keep it up against this Browns defense, or can they hold him back a little bit? This is going to be a really fun game. Both teams that you expected so much from the Browns being the year, and the Seahawks maybe taking a step or two back, and looking at the records, 4-1, 2-2 and two and two the other way. It's uh, going to be really fun to watch, and I think that's a big question. Can the Seahawks stop Nick Chubb in this running game? Next one up. You know what I really like is Minshew memes. They've been hilarious going <laughs> forward, but to tell you what, Teddy Bridgewater has been so much better. He's really led the Saints team. That's the matchup next in Jacksonville. Can this keep going? on the road now for New Orleans. No one talks about the Saints defense and how well they've played over the last yep. three weeks. That's going to be the biggest key in this game. And will Jalen Ramsey play? That's another big question uh, this week. Yeah, that I was going to hit the Jalen Ramsey. If he plays, that matchup between him and Michael Thomas, that's going to be big for Teddy Bridgewater. That's taking away his main target there. And both these defenses are pretty stout. This is going to be a good one. This is going to be really tough on the Jags with that Saints D. This is a Saints D that held Ezekiel Elliott to 35 rushing yards. Fournette has been the guy, been the engine of this offense. If they could stop Fournette, it's really going to be on the arm of Gardner Minshew. This next one, what's the highest ever over-under for an NFL <laughs> game? Because we might set a new record here. By the way, a quick sh- uh, we got the Texans taking on the Chiefs. Quick th- uh, stat, though, from Deshaun Watson. He's the first player ever to have 400 passing yards, five touchdowns, and five or fewer incompletions in a single game in NFL history from his performance last week. He now goes to Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs, which we now found out they're not unbeatable at Arrowhead. But in terms of the defenses, this one could end up in the 60s. Man, c- can you imagine if <laughs> Chicago took Deshaun Watson? I don't know if you know, but they took Mr. Bisky over. I, I think <laughs> you Sean mentioned Watson him a few times. Home. This game, if you're a Chicago Bears fan, you might not want to watch this game. Might make you sick a little bit. <laughs> might make you sick. Uh, should be a great game offensively. You're right. Eat the defense. I don't trust in this one. I think this will <laughs> If you're a defensive guy, you're going to go bald. Never mind going great. We know go how ball. the Houston Texans get down, you know, just as a team. So this game is going to be in the 40s. Like, and they're going to have 40. They're going to give up 40. It, this is going to be a fun game to watch. Absolutely. It's a shame this is out. 1 o'clock. Like, this yeah. was the Chiefs and in, in Ravens game that everybody's probably going to want to see in this game is sandwiched at, at 1. It's going to be an absolute shootout. Yards galore in this one. Fantasy points galore in this so, one. Oh, yeah. Watson versus Pat Mahomes. What can you ask more of, you know? These, these defenses are going to get eaten up. Somebody Ooh. call Detroit and Green Bay and see if they want to switch. It, you know. <laughs> How many sidearm passes will we see in this game, yeah, that should be the, That should be the over-under right, <laughs> right. there. Um, yeah, just echoing what they said, this should be an offensive showdown. Um, and it should be really fun. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, you're, if you're watching Red Zone at home, you're probably going to see 65 to 70% of that 1 o'clock slot is going to be this game anyway. So don't worry about trying to find it. From the highest of highs to the lowest of lows, Washington at Miami. Obviously a new head coach, maybe a new quarterback, maybe a new offense in Washington. It's still the same old Dolphins. Will this game have any point scored or will it end in a 0-0 tie? Well, you hope that Miami coming off a of bye is you know more prepared to close out a game. If anyone needed to buy, it was the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> they play competitive in a lot of these games. It's just the bottom falls out. And Washington has played competitive in a lot of these games. So somebody's going to get off the schneid and somebody's going to have themselves a really good day. I think this will be one of the more, you know, from a football pure standpoint, it's going to be fun to watch as far as, like, you know, competitiveness and, and back and forth 
nature of the game. I think this is going to be a very underrated game this weekend. The battle of the first pick in the next draft. That's what this is. Right <laughs> and meanwhile, here. the Jets are just saying on the sidelines, <laughs> yes, excellent, go, continue. Possibly the one-two pick. But, yeah, what Emery said, the, the, the bye week for the Dolphins is really going to help. Um, I chose them winning this game last week on my other podcast. I think that this Redskins team, especially with the firing of Gruden, there's going to be a lot of turmoil in that locker room this week. This is going to be a tough game for them. A lot of turmoil, maybe a lot of joy. Who knows? Yeah, you're going you're <laughs> to in this week's game of the week. You're going to find out. We're going to find out which uh, <laughs> which team is is who's going to quit and who's not going to quit. Are these guys going to circle this game and say, this is the game we got to get, or are you going to see guys lay over? It's going to be very interesting from that standpoint. Two teams coming off nice comeback wins, the Eagles and the Vikings back at U.S. Bank Stadium. Eagles, though, this is almost a must-win for them in terms of the playoff picture at this point. Yeah, this is a big game and a big game for the Vikings, too. So I'm excited to see how the defenses will fare in this one because uh, both teams' defenses can really get after it. For me, this game is all about Kirk Cousins. Can he continue his performance from last week, or does he revert to what he was the first three weeks where the Vikings had to rely on the run game heavily? Yeah, the Eagles essentially had a bye win last week with the Jets, and their, <laughs> their, their secondary, who's been getting pretty uh, torched throughout the year, has uh, stepped up, but obviously with the Jets situation. In this one, they're going to be tested with Kirk Cousins, who should have to air the ball out. If the Eagles could stop the run, it's going to be the test between their secondary versus Kirk Cousins' arm. Which one is the bigger deficiency? Falcons taking on the Cardinals. Cardinals looking to make it two in a row. Falcons looking for anything on the defensive side of the ball. This could be a really interesting game, especially if Kyler Murray decides to ball out. Well, he balled out last week and was a big reason why they beat Cincinnati. And the fact that he was able to get his first win in impressive fashion, a comeback fashion, after it looked like he drove down and got them the game-winning points, Cincinnati went right down the field and scored quickly. And Murray had to go right down the field and get them in a position to win. So Atlanta maybe, and you hate to say this about a coach that has gotten to a Super Bowl, but a lot of people are calling for you know Dan Quinn's job right yeah. now in Atlanta. Yeah. And so this is a big game for them because you don't want to see him lose his job because I think he's done a good job with the Falcons. Yeah, who would have thought going into week six in the NFL that the Arizona Cardinals would have a better record than the Atlanta Falcons? Technically true. They're with the one tie. three and one. The Falcons <laughs> are one and four. Huge game for Atlanta. They I don't think that they cannot I don't think that they can lose this game. This is a must win for them, especially for that head coach. Because if they lose this game, we might see another change up next week. It's a huge game for the Cardinals too, because you just come off a big win and now you're playing a struggling team who's gonna be coming after you. They have to know that after their recent struggles playing a team like the Cardinals is a game that they need to get. So they're going to be getting everything out of Atlanta. Dan Quinn may be playing for his his uh, job, so they're going to be coming after them. This is a big test for Kyler Murray if they can play against someone's best. Strength versus strength in this next one. 49ers taking on the Rams. Rams are struggling the last couple of weeks. Niners defense has looked good, but maybe they're just an, uh, an aberration. Well, we'll find out You know what's the aberration and what's the fact. And I think this will be more of a telling game for you know the Rams running game they have to be able to run the football if they can't run the football you saw what Seattle was able to do and I thought they got away from the run early in that game if they can continue to run the ball and have success why haven't we seen Daryl Henderson at some point in this in this season for the Rams I think he needs to be out there he gives them an element of explosiveness so we'll see in this game if the Rams can truly be counted on to go far uh, in this in this uh the season 
Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. The Rams' passing offense has been great this so far this season. Cooper Cup has been lighting it up. Woods has been there. Cooks, he got hurt last week. Cooks has been the third receiver, but these this, these receiving trio has been phenomenal. It's the run game that's been hurting the Rams. They haven't got pretty much any production. A little sprinkle here, a little sprinkle there. That is going to be what defines this game because the 49ers' run defense has looked good so far this season. This game, I'm looking at Jimmy Garoppolo a lot. I want to see what Jimmy G can do with a defense like the Rams who can get after you, and they have the secondary that can shut down just about anybody. Not really household names yet on the 49ers receiving core. What can Jimmy G do, and can he do enough in this game to get by that Rams? Broncos taking on the Titans at mile high. Both teams looking for answers. Broncos coming off their first win, though. Yeah, they are, and the Broncos quietly have – they should be – Four and one or something like two that. And th- at least three, three and two. two. At yeah. least three and two. Uh, so Can't finish games. And and that's going to be huge in this one. And, and we'll see if they can do that uh, in this ball game. Because, again, like I said, the Broncos have quietly played some good ball. Tennessee has been so underwhelming on offense, it's not even funny. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We know that this Broncos defense has players. Their cornerbacks are phenomenal. They lost Chubb last week, but Von Miller is still Von Miller. And like you said, the Titans offense has had their woes, and their passing game has been hit or miss for pretty much all season. Derrick Henry is the only consistent part of that offense. So unless the Titans offense gets rolling early in this game, it's going to be a long game. Yeah, the Broncos running game, they finally fill up Lindsey goes over 100 yards, over 130 all-purpose yards. Uh, they need him to keep going. It's going to be a tough task with the Titans defense, but if Phil Lindsey can repeat last week, this should be Broncos. An ugly one potentially at the Meadowlands. An angry Cowboys team comes to MetLife to take on the Jets. Cowboys looking to correct a lot of problems, though, they've had the last couple weeks holding on to the football. Yeah, if they can protect the football, and they're going to be – it's going to be a must in this game because the Jets do a good job of just playing aggressive and attacking. So – I want to know which Jets offense will show up, and that's going to be the biggest key in determining whether or not they can win this game. Still no, still a question of what quarterback will show up, too. We don't know who's going to be the starter at this point. Yeah, I mean, it should be Darnold. He took all first-team reps last week, and then at the, at the end of the week, Falk got the start. But this Cowboys defense against that Jets offense is what's going to set the tone for this game. I don't think that the Cowboys offense really has any issues getting, getting on a roll in this one. Are the Jets going to finally be able to put up some points on offense? We know that the defense has outscored the offense so far this season. I'm excited to see for something to be excited about in this game. Uh, Greg Williams' <laughs> defense up against Kellen Moore's offense and the and the scheme and the plan for that. Chess match, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how that works out because the Jets, for the most part, have at least shown that they can. their defense is going to keep them around for a while in this game. Right. So if they can get any sort of uh, complimentary football from the offense – not saying they're going to win the game, but at least it could be a game for longer. But let's see how long the Jets defense can keep a minute. Chargers versus Steelers. We could see the first NFL start for Devlin Hodges in this one. We don't know what the Steelers situation is going to be like on offense. Chargers looking to get anything going. But if we know the Chargers, they're going to play down to the competition. It's going to be a close game. This is going to be like the Texans <laughs> and, you know, uh, Chiefs game, you know, with Pittsburgh's yeah. offense. I'm telling you, if you guys haven't seen Devlin Hodges play, the dude – has no fear in his bones. He will throw the football and he will take chances. He'll make some bad plays, but he's going to make some great ones. And I think this game will be. I think we finally may see, you know, the Steelers' potential at, at the at the uh, in the passing game with Hodges at quarterback. So I I think this will be a fun game. Reminds me of another guy from a small school that uh, happened to turn into a good quarterback at Pittsburgh out of Miami of Ohio. Oh, that's right. Turned well, we don't. Yeah. I mean, at football game, we don't consider Miami of Ohio. You know, these F 
CS, FBS schools. We don't consider those small schools. I know. I'm just CBS Sports does. I know. I'm just saying that. If it's not, if it's not SEC, it's a small school. And for the general fan, the general fan is still Miami. We try to educate the general fan. You can listen to that on SoundCloud and iTunes. Anyway, go. The Chargers defense has been very disappointing so far this season. They were supposed to be one of the staple points this year for the Chargers. What was going to take them on this playoff run and potential AFC championship berth? And it hasn't lived up to that. Now, this week, if Hodges gets the start, if Rudolph comes back somehow and gets the start, and you will, you cannot allow them to take it to you if you're the, that Chargers defense. Yeah, and this one, uh, whatever the spread is on this game, take the Steelers to cover it because that's just what the Chargers aren't blowing yeah. out anybody. It's just weird how they how that happens week in and week out. But for this game, the Chargers defense last week gives up a, bit, uh, a lot of runs, a lot of yards to Philip Lindsay. This is the type of game where. Jalen Samuels and um, James Conner have a chance to really help out this offense and get going. Last game of week six on the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. Packers taking on the Lions. Both teams have been very, very good so far. The Lions, we questioned them, but they've turned out to be okay. They're a decent football team. Now they got to go to Green Bay. Granted, it's not in December, so that'll help, but what do the Lions have to do to win this ballgame? The Lions have been really good, man. Even the game they lost against um, quietly, yeah, against Kansas City, they had a chance to win. The Lions actually, I've changed my my tune on the Lions and and become the more respecting of what they've done. Yep, they're going to be competitive from here on out. They have a great opportunity to to win this ball game because their foundation is based in solid defensive play, trying to control the clock, play good special teams. This should be a fun game. On Monday night, but I wish it was at 1 p.m. so that way we can get Houston and Kansas City <laughs> at Monday night primetime. Yeah, this is going to be a good game. Like you said, the Lions have gotten – they look like they're going to be the real deal. Packers started off the season. The offense was very slow. This past week against Dallas, that offense looked electrifying. The defense was their strong point. They held Dallas tight for the first half, but – Dallas came on strong towards the end of the game. This Lions team can come on strong. It's a divisional matchup. I look for this to go down to the wire. This is very interesting. The Packers just did what they did to the Cowboys, and now you got to come home and have a team like the Lions after a bye. So the Lions are going to have that extra week of preparation, that extra week of uh, rest, and this could be a game that could sneak up on the Packers, and all of a sudden you're looking at the Lions among one of the top teams in the NFC North. I think I think since it's the hundredth year of the NFL, I think all the coaches should be forced to wear like nineteen twenties garb with the hat, you know, nice, you know, fancy <laughs> right. hats. Do it all in black and white. It's Lions and Packers, you might as well do it for that one. Uh, the four teams on the bye, by the way, this week: Bears, Colts, Raiders, and the Bills. All over five hundred, by the way, going into their bye weeks. So they're going to be happy about that. Any last thoughts, guys, before we uh, sign off here on the podcast going into Week Six? Well, this weekend I'll be at the Cowboys Jets game, covering it, and interested to see how uh, the Jets come out and just play you know Adam Gaze gets a lot of flack and rightfully so some of his deserve because you're supposed to be offensive guru you're supposed to have your offense shouldn't be the question on your football team with or without your starting quarterback you know they have talent they have weapons they also get back uh Herndon from suspension um so that should help but the offense has to do better Russell Wilson man he's definitely not getting enough credit this season he's playing phenomenal, putting up a lot of yards, and he should definitely be in the, more in the MVP talks. This Eagles-Viking uh, Viking game coming up is definitely big for the playoffs. Uh, with two favorites in their divisions, they may not be division winners, so when it comes to the wild card, this could be a game that ultimately decides their fate. Going to be an interesting week for sure. We had some 
very good discussion on this podcast. If you want to listen back on it, you can listen to SoundCloud and iTunes. And if you want the Pepperidge Farm reference, it comes in at about 4.43, give or take, <laughs> on here on the podcast. And Speaking Petr- of that, I am going to be keeping – we're going to keep notice of, of, you know, keep our foot on the necks of those that, that say outlandish stuff uh, about these quarterbacks. Like, everyone was quick to like toss out the – <laughs> Right, like quick toss out the, you know, the three intercepts for Lamar Jackson. But when you watch the game, two of those were complete – incomplete passes like the one the ball clearly hit the ground the ref was like yeah he caught it you know and then the second one was <laughs> clearly another one that was dropped and they gave it to uh pittsburgh you so, want to include their twitter handles sort of like a, well, you know, like a donkey of the day situation well, they, they write <laughs> they write that that'd be a good idea but they do write for the uh they write for the team and so they do oh these, these are beat writers that tend to say the darndest things you know maybe that should be the <laughs> that should be the segment beat writers say the darndest things that should be our se- our weekly oh segment somebody I, i'm always amazed at the people that come at me like with quick takes, like before this Giants <laughs> game, somebody said, like, "Oh well, you know, someone's." I heard the podcast you did with so and so, and you know, the fact you said Haskins still has better talent than than Jones is is absurd. And you know, I'm <laughs> so I'm just sitting. There, I'm I'm clearly wanting to go get my breakfast. I don't want to have. I don't partake in dumb <laughs> conversations, right? I said what I said, and it's still too early to, to tell. And then Jones goes out there and promptly completes, you know, passes for what four point eight yards in attempt. No dumb conversations. You still do a podcast with me every week. Right. It's funny watching <laughs> that. You, you have some dumb takes. You know, you do. Although some of my takes have been right. UC Davis, thank you very much. Right. Get, folks, if you want to, again, watch the NFL All 32 show, we are on the Game Plus Network on Optimum in the New York area. We are on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Alex and Troy have their best bets as well that you can take a look at for your betting lines. Keep an eye out for that. And go to footballgameplan.com where all your football knowledge, where football makes sense. For Troy Anthony, Alex Marinoni, the czar of the playbook, Emory Hunt, I've been David Hasegan. Enjoy week six and have a good day.